because I spend my life, you know, mostly outdoors doing my own crazy thing. I'm like, whoever looks at social media, I don't. And she goes, she looked at me and she said, everybody looks at social media. And so she made me a bet. She goes, I'll do your social media for free for a month. And if you don't see a difference in business, then, you know, I'll quit and go back. If, but if you see a difference, then you start paying me. I was like, okay, that's a, that's a sweet deal right there. Welcome back to the Venturing Out podcast for our final episode with founder of Oh My Juice, Denisha Blount. If you haven't heard the previous two, go and give those a listen, because in our final episode, we will hear what advice Denisha has for you and wrap up our series. Um, so I want to talk about the return of OMJ. Once you got it up and running, tell me about how you saw OMJ get traction and was it quick growth, slow? What did the growth look like? Was there, a, if I can add, was there like any kind of pivotal moment? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, there was. <laughs> so when we opened, um, you know, if people tell you that if you open a storefront, they'll be there every day, don't believe it. It will not happen. <laughs> they might be there once a month, once every two months, you know. Um, and we do have people who come in every day, but you can't base a business off of that, that promise of business. And so for us, when we opened um, OMJ, it was slow and mildly steady growth. That's the best way I can put it. I. I shared this the other day. I remember when we made $500 in a day and I thought we were so busy. I'm like, oh my gosh, we made $500. <laughs> and um, then it was actually a young college student. My pivotal moment came year two. She came in and she wanted to do a project on OMJ. And she came in and she's like, why are you not using social media? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, because I'm old and because I spend my life, you know, mostly outdoors doing my own crazy thing. I'm like, whoever looks at social media, I don't. And she goes, she looked at me and she said, everybody looks at social media. And so she made me a bet. She goes, I'll do your social media for free for a month. And if you don't see a difference in business, then, you know, I'll quit and go back. If, but if you see a difference, then you start paying me. I was like, okay, that's a, that's a sweet deal right there. So she started doing, and it is just as clear as day to me. She started doing social media for me on a Wednesday. By the following Monday, we had actually doubled our business. Wow. And I was like, it's a, it's a fluke. You know, I, I don't know, fluke. So, you know, 
she had doubled what we made the the Monday before and I thought yeah there's a lot of tourists I don't I don't know whatever you know Tuesday we did at least double what we had done the Tuesday before she doubled our business in four days just with the use of social media and so for me it was like oh my gosh people do look at social media that is important and um, so I hired her full-time. I didn't even make her wait for four weeks. I hired her full-time and not full-time, but, you know, in her spare time. And she did my social media for me for about a year. And we went from a slow but mildly steady growth to year two and um, all of year three we were tracking growth of 215 to 250% per month, depending upon the month. And it was crazy. We were just hanging on by our fingernails. And so then after, you know, toward the end of year three, it became milder. It, it became more moderate growth. It was growth sitting at around anywhere from 25 to 45%, depending on the month. And so it was much easier. I had brought in my GM, systems were in place. And so, um, but yeah, it was a defining moment um, when, when that happened. And uh, it became crazy for a while. But um, it really shows, it, it proved to me how important social media was, but also how important marketing itself for some reason, I had this crazy idea that, you know, people were going to go tell their friends and then their friends were going to come in. And, and I think that's what happened the first year. But, but ultimately, you can't really gain traction until way more people than you know, know about OMJ. And that's when we really began. Um, and then once people started, they tagged their friends and they share it with their, their people. And then it's like, oh wow you know then it really becomes a thing and so so obviously marketing is important and uh social media is important yeah absolutely i love that I you did not know until <laughs> <laughs> i love that you bring that up because that is something i've noticed about omj just being you know a baylor college student being that one of my favorite places to go with my friends and my friends have been posted on the social media and I've always admired that y'all have such a strong um, following and you're so interactive on there and then also with through my sorority I know y'all do some profit shares and um, so I think that's awesome and such a good way to market and you've really mastered that so congratulations there. Well we 100% we always hire you know I used to just like use volunteers but um, you can tell when people use volunteers. And I, I always, from that point on, I've always paid for social media. It's, I think it's the, it's one of the single most important things that I pay for. So. And it's paying off big time. So that's exciting. Yes. Um, so I can kind of assume a little bit just being here in Waco with Baylor and your social media, media being so impactful that a lot of your target market might be pretty young, but I want you to expand on that a little bit more from your view. Who are you really going after? What's that demographic look like and how do you make sure you reach them? So we have a primary and a secondary um, demographic that we really try to market to. 
And it may sound a little construed that Baylor is actually, actually our secondary market. And the reason we say that is not because they're not important to us, because they are, they're very important to us, but um, Baylor students leave during the summer, which um, is really like when people want and need smoothies and acai, you know, when it's a blazing 110 degrees outside, you know, that's when we, we see a lot of people come in our doors. But with Baylor students leaving, you can't put 100% of your eggs in that basket. And so when we say they're a secondary market, they're secondary only in name only. I mean, we, we market to them as heavily as we would market to anybody, but um, they leave during the holidays. They leave. So it really only leaves you about seven months out of the year that you can market to Baylor students. And so um, with that being said, um, when COVID hit, Baylor left and left us with, without that whole demographic, which hurt us tremendously. But um, we also focus on a primary demographic, which is downtown Waco primarily, um, young professionals, but you have to, you have to, um, to market to them in a little bit different way because they're, they're sitting at a job. They're not sitting on social media during class or, you know, so they actually have things to do. A lot of them have kids and, you know, they don't have the kind of time. So what we do is we do a lot of, um, marketing through like Waco Moms Club through, um, through some of the chambers, through some of the, you know, chambers, chambers of commerce. And um, we actually um, use Facebook, which I know a lot of uh, college kids are like, what? But, <laughs> but there's a lot of moms and, you know, people my age, people who are a little bit older who feel more comfortable using Facebook then they feel using Instagram. So we still use Facebook as a, as a vehicle to reach um, people in that demographic. We've, we've done some drop-offs where we just go to offices and just surprise them with acai bowls for their office, you know, um, or downtown business locations where it's like, oh, you know, you all get acai bowls for the day or just so people... And it has kind of a twofold effect. Um, they hear about you. Sometimes you're so busy. I'm so busy at my store that people are like, have you ever been to such and such place? I'm like, I didn't even, I've never even heard of it. You know, you get so kind of consumed in your own thing that you forget that there are new interesting things popping up around you all the time. And so for us that it does that, it allows people to experience us but also when people start talking about healthy food, a lot of times they envision, does that mean I have to eat a salad every single solitary day for three meals a day? You know, well, I like salad, but I wouldn't want to eat it three times a day, you know? And so people don't understand that, that acai tastes really good. It's really healthy and it's got a great health benefits, but at the same time, it tastes really good. And 
it's almost like a dessert treat, but it's also this great thing for your body. And so, but most people don't, a lot of people don't connect healthy with really good food, you know, tastes really good. And so most people, even if they're given the opportunity and no offense to you, Dylan, but you know, you see a lot of, you see a lot of young men who come in with their girlfriends and the girlfriend will get like an avocado and the guy is like, Hmm, I'll take the banana strawberry smoothie. <laughs> I like the banana strawberry smoothie. <laughs> yeah, and it's know. like, they won't venture past the banana strawberry smoothie. And so it's like, okay, well, that's okay. <laughs> I've never, I've never been hurt by a banana strawberry. There smoothie. you go. <laughs> and it's a good one. It's got a lot of great health benefits, but um, there's also a lot of other great things that are, you know, so sometimes it's, and people are willing to try things that maybe are free that they wouldn't try otherwise. And it's like, I'm not paying for that, but if you give it to me or give me a sample of it, then yeah, I'll try it. And so, you know, sometimes, and so we've really worked hard to, to establish a downtown uh, Waco demographic as opposed to a Baylor demographic. And it's really worked in our favor because when COVID hit, they were our most loyal customers by far. So it was really, they, they sustained us through, through COVID. That's interesting to hear that. I had never even thought that there was a young professional market in Waco. Oh, most definitely. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's just something, I mean, I've only considered it in like large, large metropolitan areas, like with a lot of volume. So interestingly enough, there's a lot, there's a large demographic of Baylor graduates who have decided to stay and invest in, in Waco itself. They're not moving out to the suburbs. They're actually staying in downtown Waco and investing in, in the Waco community. So there's a huge demographic that's not very far from us. A lot of them have apartment living. Some of them have moved down to Castle Heights, which is just down Austin. Um, Some of them have moved up into the Cameron Park um, Mm -hmm. neighborhoods, which aren't that far from us. And so it's just, it's, but it's a really interesting demographic. They're young professionals. Some of them have kids, some of them don't. And uh, yeah, they've become, they've become, and a lot of them will come every single day. Just they're they're solid as a rock for us. So That's awesome. yeah. Um, well, you've shared a lot of really good information uh, about yourself, about oh my juice, and now talking about education. Like this is our time to give back to others. Yeah. Um, so along your journey or along your adventure. Like, what were some of the resources that you found along the way? Um, Could have been information, people, were there incubator programs, chamber of commerce, other organizations, like, besides the library, because that's what we talked about already. But, like, where can we go to find information about learning how to start up, you know? Not the library. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, first and foremost, um, one of the biggest resources is the Small Business Administration, sba.gov. They've got a lot of really great 
just they do a, a lot of like webinars they do a lot of um they have a lot of great resources um for me i love talking to people and i would literally do this i would literally walk into a restaurant and say can i speak to your manager i would introduce myself and then i would say hey can i set up a time when i could just sit down and talk to you and people love to give advice I'm, I'm just telling you, they love to, I love to give advice. Everybody loves to give advice. And so it may or may not be useful information, but what you can do is you can, you can garner all of this information around you, and then you can start making some really educated decisions. Okay. So this is, and you know, this worked for this person. And sometimes managers have really great information when COVID hit, we decided that we wanted to do um, curbside delivery. Mm -hmm. I did not know the manager at Jason's Deli to save my life. I walked in, I said, hey, can I set up a time to talk to you? He said, absolutely. We sat down and talked and he basically put together a model for delivery for me that mm -hmm. I really had no idea. I didn't even have a starting point. And so people like to give advice. And a lot of times it's really good advice. Go to somebody who started a business, ask them if, if you can sit down and talk to them, if you can just pick their brain for a few minutes. Um, my friend who started 450 franchises, I called him on the phone. I said, hey, can I just sit down and pick your brain? I said, I'm, I'm willing to pay for it. I'm willing to pay for the consultation. He said, absolutely not. He said, it's free. He drove down, he lives in Dallas, he drove down here and sat down with me for a couple of hours and just shared all these things about franchising that, you know, you can read in a book, but it's, it's really much better information if, if you go through somebody who has done it. And so absolutely, um, a chamber is a good place to find those people, you know, um, and there's lots of different chambers. So there's the Chamber of Commerce of Waco. There's the Chamber of Commerce of Woodway and Hewitt. There's the, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. There's the Black Chamber of Commerce. So you can, you have a wealth of people who have at some point in time have probably been in your shoes and um, are more than willing to help you and share with you. And so the chamber is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. And so um, another, if you have, and you know, in, at Baylor, we obviously know that this, this is at Baylor, but um, other universities have it as well. There's a lot of professors who, particularly in the business department, have their own businesses. That's why they teach business. Mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, there's a professor at, at Baylor who was actually a, um, a CEO, COO or a, a, a vice president of a really, really large company. And then he was the COO of a moderately large company. And every time he comes in, you know, I learn something new from him. He is more than willing to talk to me. He's a great teacher. And he just, he can look at my business and see things that I can't see. 
And so sometimes professors, sometimes, you know, Baylor has a great entrepreneur program and the entrepreneurship program here has a lot of great professors that are more than willing to like sit down and talk to you. All you have to do is ask. And so many times I think people think that they have to start on this journey by themselves. Don't be afraid to ask. Mm -hmm. All, the worst they can say is, no, I don't have time for that. You go, okay, well, I'll go find somebody else. And so those, those in and of themselves are some really great resources. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some local business owners who actually offer themselves up as mentors. And um, I, don't, I don't do it for money. I, I'm more than willing to help, help people if they ask me. And, and I don't do it for money, but there are people who consult and, and do it kind of as a, as, as a side business. And so um, there's lots and lots of resources within a community, particularly Waco. Mm -hmm. Waco is a very business-friendly uh, community. Yeah. So for, for community members, uh, for professors, small business owners, whoever it may be, what can they do to encourage and foster young entrepreneurship? And why is it early? Um, why is it important, excuse me, to encourage entrepreneurship at such a young age? And why is that experience so important? Well, to foster entrepreneurship is so important because the largest employer in America is small business. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you take us all cumulatively, we hire more people in America than anybody else. That's why we're important. And so it's important to, to encourage people to open their own businesses. We are the employer. I mean, obviously the government employs people and, and, um, but but ultimately it is small business. We're the people who are employing. And so um, that's just kind of my quick, easy answer as to why we should encourage entrepreneurship. But ultimately there's, I think there's a disservice done to people um, in America or anywhere in the world when one company becomes the dominant or the monopoly where you can't uh where you can't find diversity anymore where you can't find um you have to fit yourself into the mold of what this business wants to bring you and so ultimately small businesses bring this diverse rich culture um this culture that you can learn from I mean, I can just think right off the top of my head in Waco. We have Waco Cha, which is uh, Chinese, Taiwanese owned. Uh, we have True Jamaica, which is Jamaican owned. Um, we have, we have um, uh, people from New Orleans who have opened um, Cajun Craft. You know, you have all this wonderful, rich, mix of culture in in a single location you know ketox ketox restaurant clay pot is um 
Vietnamese owned and you have all of these wonderful rich cultures that kind of mingle together in one place in one relatively small place and it it just brings it 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 brings such a richness to a community as opposed to a community where it's just one big box after another after another that are owned by big corporations they're not even owned by singular people they're own, owned by these big corporations that really don't have a face or a name or a culture behind them and i like those places i go to those places and there's nothing wrong with them but at the same time if that's all you have then you have really lost a rich rich source of I don't, I don't, I hate to keep going back to the word education, but, but gosh, when I go places, when I go to true Jamaica, I'm talking to them about Jamaica. I want to know about Jamaica. I want to know where this rich heritage of food came from. When mm -hmm. I go to Cajun craft, I'm talking to the owners about where, where their influences came from. I'm talking to people and I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm getting an education that I may or may not have been looking for, but at the same time, it makes my life richer. And there are, there are young entrepreneurs who are bringing this to our front door that we need to, to continue to encourage. I have never, you know, seen people so creative as the Baylor students who walk into my store and some of them help me with projects and some of them things that I could never come up with on my own. They're, they're such a creative group of people, but that's just Baylor. I mean, think about the University of Texas. And I mean, you've got these young, young people all over the country and all throughout Texas who have these great ideas. And they think of the world differently than my generation even. And I mean, I just think we're really missing out on something if we don't encourage that. Um, I, I came to realize a long time ago, I don't even have to be the only juice bar in Waco. You know, I can, but competition is good. Creativity is good. All of those things are good things for business, even for, you know, people who have been in business for five years or 10 years, it, it forces people to be better at their craft. And so all of those things are good things and we have to view them as good things. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I encourage anybody to pursue their dreams. And, and uh, if they have the dream of entrepreneurship, it's hard. It's not easy, but um, I, I would most definitely encourage anybody to to pursue that that avenue final question what advice would you have for other young entrepreneurs what advice um well it's kind of a twofold advice never ever give up and that means when you get the negative nannies out there take it for what it's worth and move on in my third year of business, somebody called me up on the phone, somebody that I really trust, somebody that I really love, and they told me I should just close my doors because I was never going to make it. And sometimes you have to 
look past the discouragement. You have to look past the negativity. Sometimes it's hard. But again, I'm convinced, and I don't know this 100%, but I'm convinced that the 2% of people that make it past five years, it's mostly because of their own perseverance and their own fortitude. So find your group of people who will encourage you, who will be your cheerleaders, because there's a lot of negativity out there. And so that you're able to move past those things. Second thing, and if you learn everything about business before you open your doors, you will never open your doors. It's just that simple. You can't know everything there is to know about business. To sidestep all the pitfalls, you can't know it before you open your doors. But find people that you really trust. Talk to them. Find out what you can expect some of the pitfalls to be. Find out how much money realistically you need to open your doors. And then just commit yourself to learning from your mistakes and learning as quickly as possible. Because if you're, if you're open to being, being a student of business, then it's not impossible to open your doors and just continue learning. The, the people that I have really seen struggle in business are people who already think that they have all the answers at the beginning. So just understand that you have a lot to learn and learn it. And, and you know, sometimes that, that education will come through mistakes, but that's okay. Learn, learn from your mistakes and move on, move forward. So surround yourself with your cheerleaders and just commit yourself to a learning process. It's, it's fun. It's fun to learn. So. Well, thank you, Denisha. Um, we really appreciate everything that you be, you've been willing to share, your personal story, um, the story of OMJ, and a lot, a lot of lasting advice for students. Um, it was fun. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me.